Good morning. The apex of awesomeness. We bow together for just a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are with us. You've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. But you've said you'd go with us always, even to the end of the age, the end of the world. We thank you for that, Father. Sometimes we don't feel it, but we thank you that you will keep your word. You will keep your word. We can trust God. We can trust God. Thank you that we can trust you, Father. Father, in these next 25 or 30 minutes, I pray that you would help me to be able to give to your people what I believe is your plan and your design for today, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. Lord, we always pray for the preacher, but I pray for the hearers. I pray for the hearers that all of us would be alert that all of us would be attentive, Lord. We might hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church today, Lord. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading scripture in just a little bit, but I want to talk first, and then we'll go to the scriptures. And then I want to read some excerpts to you from uh, the writings of a man that died in 1910. So I don't know how old he was. Well, I do too. He was, uh, I think, in his 80s. But uh, I, I've had this set of books for years and done very little reading in it. But lately the Lord's had me looking at some things that I believe are very important for our church. I don't know about other churches, what they are like or what their needs are. But I think we, we have a pretty good indication of what our needs are here. I want to begin with a question. I started to ask this question a few Sundays ago, and the service went in a different direction. What, what if, we're going to start with two words, what if, what if, or I wonder what would happen if we all assembled for one singular purpose. If we all did, 
There are many reasons why people go to church. I, I don't think that's so much the case here, but there are many reasons why people go to church. Some of them good, some of them not so good, and some terrible. But one day the question just occurred to me, what if we all assembled for one singular purpose, that purpose being to draw near to God today, right now? What if we all assembled to draw near to God, to worship Him and bow down before Him, to yield to His direction? Wonder what would happen. Wonder what would happen if we all did that. What if we all came to have an audience with the Lord? It's good to want to come and see other believers, and I think all of us uh, partake of that. We enjoy that. When we hug someone, we, we want them to know that we really mean it. We, we're not just doing that out of a form, but we, we want them to know that they are important to us, to Pastor and I, and, and to all of us. People need to know that people are interested in them. In the Psalms, and we're not going to read there, this morning, but I just want to make reference to it. Beginning at Psalm 120 and going up through, oh, what, 123 or 4, something like that. We have what is known in the scriptures as songs of degrees or psalms of degrees. It begins with Psalm 123 and goes up in the 30s. To Psalm 134. I was asked to teach on that at a Bible school some years ago, a lot of years ago. I was asked to teach on that, and I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I didn't even know there were songs of degrees or what they were. So I don't know how that turned out. But the songs of degrees are passages of Scripture, songs psalms that the Spirit of God inspired the people of God to sing, to quote, as they journeyed to the house of God in Jerusalem. They lived all over the whole area of the Israeli uh, network of places, but at a certain time in the year, they would all unless there were reasons they could not, they would all start on a journey up to the house of the Lord. And there was preparation that went on all the time that they were going. Preparation is not a bad word. Preparation is a good word. You see, it was God that had them to come in that fashion, quoting those passages, singing those passages. It was God that was behind that because he knows that 
We have lives that are busy, and they had lives that were busy, not exactly like ours, but they had lives that were busy. And God wanted them, when they got to the temple, to experience the highest pleasure known to a human being, that of being in the presence of God. You can say amen there. If you say amen, I'll know you got it, and I won't go around the bush about three or four times. You'll forget, but I'll remind you. God wanted his people to get the absolute maximum out of that time that was so important in the life of the Israeli people. I think it might be a good thing to do sometimes, but took them several days, some of them several days, and all the way there, whether they knew it or not, they were being prepared for a meeting with God. Amen. They were being prepared for a meeting with their God. Which brings me to this question. I don't say anything out. What kind of preparation did you make? What kind of preparation did I make for coming to the house of the Lord today? Some people are having to rehearse in their minds and and realize that they haven't done any preparation. But pastor, I thought that was for Pastor Ross to do. He's the man supposed to be past, uh, being prepared. And you happen to be the one that's speaking today. And you should prepare. Well, I was up at ten minutes to three preparing. What kind of preparation did we make? We'll just lump us all together. What kind of Preparation did we make so that when we came into this place, we would begin to experience the presence of our Lord, our Savior, our God. Someone may be thinking it really doesn't matter. I don't really prepare, but I'll try to catch up with everybody else that did prepare. But it was God that had them to go on that journey with a lot of time going there. But it was ingrained in them as they recited and sang those psalms. It was ingrained in them that God is waiting to meet with us. God is waiting to meet with us. There were people in the Bible that should have done that, like Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't prepare, except they had made a little plot between them, and it cost them their lives. One came to the apostles and said, here's the money, we sold it for this much, and here's the amount, we're just going to give the whole thing. And I believe it was Peter who said, there are men out here that are waiting 
to carry you away. And down she went. Down he went. Now, I'm not saying that God wants to, if we don't prepare, that God is going to deal harshly. I'm not saying that at all. But I believe that lately God has been impressing it on my heart that we need to make preparation for coming together. If we'll do that, then God will do some things in response to that. God will do His side if we do our side. God may say, Brian, to you, I want you to be looking for someone that's wearing a red jacket. I want you to tell him this. Whatever it is that he has to say. That would make church even more interesting, would it not? I remember an evangelist we had when we were at the old location back in the 80s. He, uh, he had that, that experience. He was preparing for the service, and he said the Lord showed him or spoke to him and said there will be a lady sitting back there on the, such and such a row, and she will have a red dress on, and I want you to tell her something from me. That was a new thought to me. I'd never heard that before. But God is greater than just our own personal thinking. He wants to use us. He wants you to be used. Pastor, almost all the time people bring people to us and say, now, would you help them? When it is the will of God that all of us be equipped by the Holy Spirit's ministry to us, and our study of the Word. We're going to talk about that this morning as well. So that God can flow through us to touch somebody's life. What preparation did we make this morning? I know I should have sent out a letter and said, I'm going to be asking a question and give the question, and we would have been better prepared. But I believe with all my heart that God wants us to take time in our homes, in our car on the way here, to say, Lord, meet with us. Speak to us through the pastor. Speak to us through the gifts of the Spirit. You know the Bible says that we should covet to prophesy. The Bible says we should covet, we should earnestly desire to prophesy. Not so that we can be seen, but so that God can get a message to somebody that could change their whole life. Change their whole life. Preparation is very, very important. Keep thy foot. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And be more ready, and be more ready, watch your step when you go to the house of God. I don't think that's a coincidence with what I've already been talking about. He's talking about going to the house of God. And he says, watch your step and be more ready. If we all came prepared, I believe we would see things that we have not seen before.
Because God loves us and cares about us. But he doesn't want us to be careless in our relating to him. He wants us to be ready. Ready to do what? Ready to hear. Be more ready to hear. Now that tells me this. You can be a person who is not ready. Or you can be a person who's ready. Be more ready to hear. Be ready to hear. Did you come this morning to hear something from the Lord? Through the songs, through the encouraging words that Pastor gave, through the things that I'm saying to you now. Did you come saying, Lord, I want to hear you today? You know, if that happened, pastor wouldn't have to pray as many hours as he does because other people would be entering into that whole process. This is the Word of God I just read to you. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. How many believe that God doesn't have to say something on every page of the Bible? He can just say it once. Yeah. And he means exactly what he's saying. He means exactly what. We can stand on that word. We can stand on that word. We can believe that word. Be more ready to hear. Of course, I knew what I was going to be talking about, so I was saying to the Lord, I want to hear. I want to hear. Pastor said this happened. Others of you have had it happen as well. But sometimes when we are uh, sharing the Word of God, He just drops something into our heart that we had no idea about, had no intention of speaking about, but it just comes like that, and it just flows out. God wants us to be ready to hear. A lot of folks are ready to talk. In fact, the Bible says in the multitude of words, there is no lack of sin. In the multitude of words, there is no lack of sin. God wants us to be ready to hear. If I'm ready to hear, it means that I realize that I don't know everything. I think pastors probably like this with me, like, like as I am about this, but if you come and ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm not going to try to snow you. I'm going to say I don't know the answer to that. I'll try to find out if you want me to, but I don't know the answer to that. Are you ready to hear the Lord when you come to the church house? Not just on Sunday morning. But on Wednesday night and any other time that we come together, come with a listening ear. Come saying, Lord, today, not next week, not in the fall crusade, but today I need to hear you, Lord. You know what's on my plate. You know what's happening in my life. And I need to hear you today. I believe God 
has said that in his word. And he will do what he has said. Do you think it might be the reason some people don't get anything from church? Is that they haven't prepared. A good friend of mine who pastors in Jacksonville, Florida, told me this story. He said after he preached one Sunday, a man came by and said, Pastor, that was the finest sermon I ever heard. And the man right behind him walked up to the pastor. He didn't hear what he said and said, that was the nearest nothing I ever heard. Well, can both those things be true? They can be true. One heart was prepared to receive the word of God and the other heart was not prepared at all. Be ready to hear. Be ready to hear. A lot of churches, I hope not ours, it takes us 30 minutes to just get people on the same page. It takes 30 minutes to get people where they're loosening up a little bit and they're ready to enter into worship. Why is that? It's not supposed to be that way. God help us. God help us to watch our step when we're going to the house of God. It is not a light thing to gather together with believers. He has promised to be in the midst. He's promised to do that. God help us. God help us to be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Verse 2, be not rash with thy mouth. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Now, you, you're not getting anything out of this. I can see that, but I'm getting something out of it. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you're on the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Now, that's in the same Bible as John 3.16 and the 23rd Psalm and John 14. It's the same Bible. Don't just burst into the presence of the Lord, fall down and start telling Him everything you want and get up and go your way. That's being rash. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let thine heart, let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for He is in heaven and you're on earth. Let your words be few. The Holy Spirit taught me something. I don't always remember it. But I try always to remember that when I come to Him, before I pray very long, I need to say to Him, Nehemiah, I need to say to Him, what is on your heart? What is on your heart? 
We want to tell him what's on our heart. I believe he is waiting for us to say to him, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what's on your heart. It is so important. It is so important. I mentioned that I wanted to read something to you this morning. I want you to listen to this. This man died in 1910, and he had already been in the ministry for 65 years. So this could be almost 200 years old, but I want you to listen to this. Let me say a word, and it'll be only a word, about each of these two things. I am afraid that the plain and practical duty of reading our Bibles is getting to be a much neglected duty among professing Christian people. I am afraid that the plain practical duty of reading our Bibles is getting to be a much neglected duty among professing Christian people. I do not know how you are to keep the words of Christ in your hearts and minds if we do not read them. How many still here? I am afraid that most Christian congregations nowadays, I am afraid that most Christian congregations nowadays do their study of the scriptures by proxy. How many know what a proxy is? We are members of a homeowners association and they have homeowners association meetings and they want us there. But if we can't go, they send us a proxy and we can take care of it that way and let them know what our view is. Now, this may not be very interesting to you, but it's very interesting to me because I know it's true. I, I'm afraid that most Christian congregations nowadays do their study of the Scriptures by proxy, expecting their ministers to read the Bible for them and to tell them what it says. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we need to hear this. We need to hear it. I need to hear it. I read it every day. Expecting their ministers to read the Bible for them and to tell them what the Bible says. He goes on a little further and says, I'm afraid that newspapers, magazines, and little religious books very good in their own way, but subordinate to the Scriptures, have taken the place that our fathers used to have filled by honest reading of God's Word. Can I just throw one pastoral statement in here? Just one pastoral statement. Just food for thought. If we can get all worked up when the promises are talked about, 
we also ought to be able to say amen. Yes, that is true. That is true. It's true in my life. He says further, and that is one of the reasons I believe that is a large part of the reason. Let me see here. I believe that is a very large part of the reason why so many professing Christians do not come up to the standard of God's Word. And instead of running with patience the race that is set before them, they walk in a leisurely fashion by starts and stops, even then with long intervals in which they sit on the road and are not a mile farther at a year's end than they were when it began. There never was, there never was, and there never will be vigorous Christian life unless there be an honest and habitual study of God's Word. I want to tell you, that is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Let me read it one more time. There never was, and there never will be, vigorous or living, living Christian life in a person's life unless there be an honest and habitual study of God's Word. Now, I say this with kindness, total, totally in kindness. Some of us ought to be at the altar. Some of us ought to be at the altar. He goes on further and says, there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut by which Christians can reach the end of the race. Pastor, he puts in a little thing for us. If the word of the Lord is to sound like a rousing blast of a trumpet from our lives, it must first be heard in secret by us. God help us. God help us. Help us. We need this persistence in daily life if we are not to fail entirely. That's one of the most powerful lines I've ever read. We need this persistence of getting into the Word of God. Persistently getting into the Word of God. We need this in daily life if we are not to fail entirely. God help us. God help us. God help us. God help us. Lord, when we have time for everything else, when we have time for everything else, Lord,
but your word is crowded out of our lives almost entirely. Please forgive us, Father. Please forgive us, Father. Please forgive us, Father. And we don't want just a band-aid put on it, Lord, but we want you to help us to become people of the word of God in our daily lives. We thank you for those that you've called to minister the word, but you haven't called them to be a proxy for us, Lord. We humbly bow before you and say, Oh God, help us. Cleanse us. Cleanse us, oh God. Help us to be people who will start using our Bibles more than we ever have in our whole lives. Oh Father, Oh, Father, we must have your help. We must have your help. There is no growth of Christian character, no setting of virtues into the mature fruit of a settled habit without this persistent adherence in the face of all antagonism to the dictates of conscience and the command of Christ. Then we will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some an hundredfold. To such blessed state we attain if and only if to such blessed state we attain if and only if we draw near to Him and in daily communion with Him secure that the secret of His patient continuance in well-doing is repeated in us. I could go on and read some more, but I think we've read a plenty. It's 12 o'clock. Father, I just pray that if you see fit, that you would send us a word through someone this morning, this morning, right here, right now, that might confirm the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, help us. We must, we must have a heightened desire for the Word of God. We must have it, Father. We must have it. We must have it, Lord. When pastor asked me to teach on Wednesday nights for a while, and there was 
a good group of people there. I found a statement and I read it to the class and it simply said this, all the problems, all the problems we have. This was written in the 1600s. I can show it to you and be glad to show it to you. All the problems, whether they be relational, physical, mental, whatever they are, all the problems that we have, this man whose name was Pascal said, you remember, don't you? He said, all the problems are there because we don't know how to sit quietly in our room. Now I realize that's three, four hundred years ago, okay? I got that. I understand that. But I want to tell you that the principle has not changed. The principle has not changed. All of us, Brother Don, all of us need a quiet place somewhere in our home, in our yard, uh, in the, what do they call the place that the man goes, man caves, somewhere. We simply sit for a while and speak to our Lord and wait for Him to speak to us. The book is written by Mark Batterson, some of you may have even seen it. He said all the problems, relational, physical, mental, homes, everything exists because people in America have forgotten how to sit quietly, give God a chance to be part of their life and of their day. I believe it just as much as I believe I'm looking at Jamie right there. I believe it with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all of my strength. I don't know any, everything about ministry, but I've learned some in 49 years being a pastor. I want to tell you that there is nothing more needful than for the people of God to have an appointment with their father. Honestly, I have had him say things to me and I sat there and wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. Not because I was sorry, but because my father was teaching me something that I needed to know and will need to know all throughout eternity. Some of you may believe that we're all going to sit on a rainbow and eat watermelon in heaven. That's what it's all about. That is not what it's about. The Bible, John said, I saw, I saw the heavens coming down. I saw them coming down. The Bible says that the meek will inherit the earth. So I don't know. It sounds to me like God's going to bring heaven down here, transform earth, and we're going to have very important positions in the kingdom of God.
Did you know that? We're going to have, if we are faithful, if we are faithful, we're going to have important positions in the kingdom of God. As surely as we're sitting in this room. I believe it. I believe it. He said to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, judging the nations. Judging the nations. I pray that something that I've said this morning will go into the soil of your heart and my heart. We need to plow up the soil of our heart so that when the word of God that pastor brings to us falls into the seed, into the ground of our heart, it will remain there and it will bring forth fruit. Hallelujah. God help us. My brother-in-law, Terry, who pastors in Columbia, and he's been over and ministered for us and taught some things for us, called me uh, several years ago, probably five or six years ago. He said, Ron, I'd like you to come over and hear someone that's speaking for me tonight at our church. And I said, I'll come. And I did. And the man brought the word of God. It wasn't the greatest thing I'd ever heard, but he brought the word of God. And he said, when he finished speaking, he said, now, I've got to be on the plane, gone for Israel at 5.30 in the morning. And tonight I got to drive from Columbia to Atlanta and get my, my trip prepared. He said, but if anybody needs prayer, I will pray for you. About six people went down the center aisle, and I was the seventh one. I really needed ministry to my life that night. And when he prayed for them, he started at this end, prayed for them, and I was standing just a little bit apart from them, and I didn't want anybody to hear what I had to say, because it was none of their business. And I leaned up by his ear and I said, this is what's been going on with me for a number of years. And he said, this is what I'm hearing. He didn't pray for me. He said, this is what I'm hearing. This is what the Spirit is saying. All those early morning prayer meetings. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mornings I went to the church at 3 o'clock to pray. He doesn't know me, but he says, here's what I'm hearing. All those early morning prayer meetings have impacted the kingdom of God in ways you know nothing about. You could have knocked me over with a feather. Listen, God is real. God is real. God is real. 
And he doesn't want us living in a substandard kind of a Christianity. He wants us to walk with him and talk with him and let him talk to us. Prayer has two sides. I speak to him and he speaks to me. Maybe your prayer life only has one side. Well, you need to change that because that isn't right. That is not right. Would you stand with me, Pastor? It's all yours. You want me to say anything more? If somebody is close enough to you, would you take the hand of another person? If you have to move down a little bit on the pew, I believe God wants to, to confirm to us this morning that what I've shared with us is tremendously important. I do not believe that there is anything that I could have talked about that would have been more important than what he put on my heart to say. I spent all day Friday, all day Saturday, upstairs in my bedroom, waiting on the Lord, speaking to the Lord, reading his word, reading what I just read to you. And I believe with all my heart that I have said to you what God wanted us to hear. What are we going to do with it? What will we do with what we have heard? Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you that you had something important to be said to your church this morning. Thank you for our pastor and thank you for his willingness to allow me to speak this morning. Father, I pray that the word that we have heard will not be pushed aside, but that we will take that word, oh God, that we'll take that word and it'll become a living thing on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I just tell one quick story? This is one of the most interesting things I ever heard. I don't know the guy's name, or if I do know, I just don't remember it right now, but a minister who was a traveling minister, he drove in his car, went to preach in all kinds of places. He was, he had just finished, uh, no, he was getting ready to start a series of meetings on Monday morning or Monday evening and he was driving there and his car broke down. It shouldn't have broke down. It wasn't no raggedy car. But he, uh, you know, he's kind of bothered. How could the Lord let this happen? He was a little bit aggravated. All that. And he finally just kind of calmed down and walked around talking to the Lord quietly. And the Lord said, I want you to go over there where that mechanic is up under your car. And here's what I want you to say to him. How many realize it would take some boldness to do that? He walked over to that car. 
And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that where you, the Lord told me to tell you that you're supposed to meet Lucy tonight to have a one night stand. And he wants you to know that he loves you. And when he said that, the man straightened up and hit his head on the bottom of the car, the iron. And he got out from under the car and he said, thank you. He said, I am going to go now. I'm going to knock off work now and go see my pastor and ask him to pray with me and help me. How many, how many of you can see that is important? Here's a man that is supposed to meet somebody that's not his wife. His, her name is Lucy, and it's supposed to happen at 7 o'clock. God gave that man all the details. He simply said what the Lord said and backed up. Listen, God is real, and he wants to use you in a powerful way. But it cannot happen apart from a laugh in the scriptures. I plead with you to take that t today. Lord, I've said what you gave me. And I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for that minister who said, God knows you're going to be meeting Lucy tonight at 7 o'clock at a motel. He wants you to know he loves you. Lord, your word says that we will see signs and wonders. So we want to see signs and wonders, Father. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Pastor. There's nothing else that I can add this morning. I think this is a beautiful place to just say a word prayer of dismissal and uh, cover you as we go into our new week you're invited to be here on wednesday night we're going to dig into the word of god uh, thank you father lord we thank you for your word we don't want to skip over what you just said we don't want to rush your way or rush along. We don't want to hurry over it. We want to chew on it. We want to hear from you. We want to contemplate the glory of your presence functioning in our lives in a deeper way. And we want to submit ourselves to the word that you gave the man of God. And like David, we put our hands up and we say, I'm the man. I'm the man. Forgive me of my sin. Please, Lord, cleanse my iniquity and renew a right spirit within me. Cleanse my iniquity and renew a right spirit within me. Could you say that just to yourself? Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Forgive and cleanse me and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. He wants to do it. Just where you're standing, tell him, renew a right spirit within me. 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 Oh God, let my ears hear your word. Let my eyes see your purpose. Let my lips speak your promises, oh God. Let my faith increase to trust you evermore. Father, as we go, we are walking out of here not empty, but filled with your presence. We're taking you with us. Ride with us in our cars. Go with us to our homes. And continue, oh God, to mix and mash and knead and press into us every bit of your anointing so that we become lights burning brighter than we ever have for you. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Thank you for the word that came through your servant. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.